This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Christmas Everest, the podcast that takes you out to the football, but then you just go dogging. (laughs) What a day that was. Um, Best boxing day this century. (laughs) God almighty, you wouldn't, I mean... You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the stamina of some of those old boys. I know. Anyway, um, today we've been watching the Big Break Christmas, <laughs> the Big Break Christmas special. Did you see what you've 26th, done to us <laughs> from the from the twenty sixth of December, nineteen ninety two. I thought that said nineteen seventy two. Oh yeah. Christ! Imagine if Big Break had been around. That would have been like the Iron Horse of snooker-based quiz yeah, television. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, it, it actually, it still is because there's never been another snooker-based game show on TV. And I'm going to get this out there right now. Big fan of the format of Big Break. The reality of Big Break usually a little bit more problematic, but the actual format of it I love and I think one of the reasons I love it as we were discussing yesterday I'm not interested in friendly matches <laughs> you know I want some proper competition and what they the genius of Big Break is that they've got actual professional yeah. snooker and they players can't, actual, they can't help themselves no, can they? Actual competitive people doing the thing that they do professionally they cannot help themselves it's a beautiful thing and if you can just weather the way through Jim Davidson mugging about and prancing about like he's got some kind of fucking disease, then yeah. you're golden. Because there's some high-end snooker-based... I mean, you could you could keep statistics very easily on Big Break. Oh, God. Don't. don't. I, just, just don't. This is how it's no, no. I've seen this so many times before, and this is exactly how it starts. I don't think that I could watch that much Jim Davidson. You watch one episode of Big Break, yeah, and then before I know it, you're thinking of setting up an official statisticians league. Yeah, awarding awarding trophies to whoever's got done the best on all of the rounds. I'll tell you where I was Boxing Day 1992. Go on then. I looked it up. Prison? How about that? <laughs> oh, it would have been at football yeah, match. Yeah, I would have... And you actually went to the football match this time. Yeah, I would have been, because it's Boxing Day, I would have been at Aylesbury United 3, St Albans City 2. And I do vaguely remember being at that game. It was quite a big game at the time. A disappointing result for the Saints. I've there. got a feeling that they were winning... 2-0 and I've got a feeling that they might even have been winning like 2-1 with two or three minutes to go I don't remember I think it was a lunchtime kickoff. very very disappointing well you could have been home in time for a big break um I, I I've got written had you down... not spent the entire evening in the pub <laughs> yeah I've got written down here I was probably out that night quite likely without even having gone home 
Because, I mean, I was at university by this point, so I was on Christmas holidays. And obviously my friends were back at the same time, so we hadn't seen each other since, like, you know, September. Yeah. So there were a few blowouts that Christmas. That old um, farewell dogging party. Yeah, in yeah, farewell, the farewell, the farewell dogging party. I also <laughs> farewell dog off. Yeah, pr- I also bring your own beef. <laughs> I also looked up where you might. Have. All right, Boxing Day, nineteen ninety-two, Brighton yeah. and Albion three, Burnley nil. Fifth win in a row. I was almost certainly not there. Oh. I was almost certainly at home eating roses. Oh, and probably. Watching the Big Break Christmas special. Oh. Um, you know, obviously I was 12, yeah, which does make a big difference. It's a weird one because, um, I, I, I mean, I, I do agree with you in that I like the format of Big Break. I like the fact that it's got clearly defined games. Yeah. Um, I like John Virgo. Got as many balls as you can. Who is fairly affable and does a, uh, he does, he's got a decent line in lugubrious faces. Uh, yep. He does hang dog pretty well, doesn't he? Um, yeah. So I don't have any issues with anything than that. But there is a little stumpy, ginger-headed, racist shadow <laughs> that hangs over this program. Well, it's not hanging so much as prancing. Prances. Actually, I mean, when he comes out at the start, 20 seconds, and he's got a fairy joke. Yeah. And the thing is that with this, I kind of knew that I liked the format of Big Break and that I fucking despise Jim Davidson. I knew that. So I was like, okay, well, obviously this last 10, 15 years, since his career turned to shit, he's gone back to that kind of blue comedian. Oh, look at me, I'm being outrageous. Just ends up looking like fucking David Brent in the office. But, you know, he was mainstream. This, you know, Big Break was on TV for a very long time. I, I didn't yeah. write down how long it was. You well, would have done. Don't don't forget that he went on to do the Generation game after this. Yeah, and the Generation game. So, you know, he was mainstream. And so I was interested to see, it's fucking 1992 by now, has anybody actually, is, you know, did he actually really, really rein it in during this period? But, nah, it still squeaks out, don't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it still, it all squeaks out, like the, like the noxious gas that it is. He just seems like a child deprived of attention. And he he comes out and he's, you know, he, he minces, he dances, he gurns, he does impressions. He does silly voices. I actually kind of feel a bit sorry for Davidson. He's all little twists and jerks, quick gurns to the camera. (laughs) And I don't know how much that was the style of the time, but it grates really quickly. Yep. And I think it would have done at the time as well. The only thing, for example, that has ever held me back on Vic and Bob has been the gurning. I fucking hate it. Whoever's doing it. Well, I mean... Mugging to camera. In Vic and Bob's defence, it is a northern comedy tradition. Uh, Jim Jim Davidson has no excuse. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, northern uh, Northern comedy had quite a few traditions that they had to get rid of. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> cast yeah. in my mind back two episodes in this podcast yeah, series well, uh, to one yeah, Mr. B. Manning. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, but you know. um, it's it's I I did kind of wonder whether he might have like ADHD or something. I, well, I'm I'm very very hesitant. You know, me a non psychologist. What with zero? I know. Right? I thought this was therapy. What, what have you been doing with all the money that I've been sending you? Crack and hookers. Forty-four quid a night. He charges me. Forty-four quid a night. Forty-four quid a night does not buy you as much crack and hookers as you need. Let me just let me just mention that briefly. I have to save it up. Thanks, (laughs) Obama. Jim Davidson is at this point thirty-nine years old. Uh, John Virgo's forty-six. What? Yeah. And we've got some uh, celebrity contestants, and each celebrity contestant pulls a ball out of a bag to get themselves a snooker player. So we've got lots more exciting celebrities and their ages in 1982. Ruth Maddock. Yeah. 49. Okay. Her snooker player was Willie Thorne. Yeah. 38. Well, yeah, we all know. A year, a year younger than Davidson. Yeah, well, that's what the gambling does to you, isn't it? That is, I'm afraid, what the yeah. gambling does to you. Second celebrity contestant, Patrick Moore. Uh, th- I have to say, I was not expecting that. Is there life on Mars? I think probably not. Too cold, too dry. After all, Mars is a very odd kind of place. Very weak gravity. Everything weighs so much less there. <laughs> Don't much snooker on Mars. How would you like to play with balls? Anyone further than Earth weight? Would you like to venture a guess as to how old Patrick Moore is in 1992? Oh, I reckon he's about 77. You're wrong, and you're going to be delighted to be wrong. All right, go on. He's 69. What? Nice. Yep. Yep. Uh, He's joined by Alison Fisher, the the, the... former woman's world champion. Yeah, I bet that went down well with him. She's dressed as buttons. All right. All of the the snooker-based people are dressed in pantomime gear. Yeah, well, I mean, at least they've made a bloody effort, yeah? I fucking hate pantomimes. Uh, Finally, Anthea Turner, 32. Yeah, she gets the uh, big break jackpot when Jimmy White isn't around. Yeah, Dennis Taylor, forty-three. Really? Yeah, (sighs) Dennis Taylor is, I would say, probably on balance the most beloved man in the United Kingdom. I love Dennis Taylor. Everyone loves Dennis Taylor. I I tell you, there there is a very specific reason why I love Dennis Taylor, and I think you know what this is. What's Dennis Taylor famous for? Glasses. Exactly. He's got a pair of those upside down glasses that he, I think, <laughs> was the first snooker player to get. Yeah. So people used to laugh at that quite a lot. But of course, because it's they're upside down and it's, it gives you actually full view of the entire yeah. table. Well, it's true. You're not looking over the top. And immediately I saw them. I remember I was a kid. I was about 12, 11 or 12 when I first saw them. And I was like, that's such a brilliant, simple invention. Yeah, because as a glasses wearer, you recognise straight away. I have a lot of affection for that because my dad, who I have a lot of affection for, as you know, I should hope so. He has a pair of those glasses, those upside down and, glasses, and he is a snooker Yeah, and he is a he's still captain of a local snooker team. Still, even now, even during the, they've been playing throughout this bloody pandemic. Last time I spoke to him, I said to him, "All right, Dad, how are you?" And he said, "Well, I'm a bit, you know." 
And I was like, oh, what's the matter? And he said, bloody snooker club's closed again since they've crunched. Right, all right, yeah, no, I get it. He loves it. Yeah. It's very important to him. And uh, and uh, and like I say, he's 80, 84 now and still playing. 84, never lost a game. Dennis Taylor is dressed as Widow Twanky, which actually I thought was a bit unfair. It, because well, that, that costume was spectacularly ungainly and they were expecting him to play yeah, snooker. Yeah, but you're working to the assumption that anybody actually gives a fuck about that. You are the only person who cares. Dennis Taylor doesn't give a shit whether he's winning big break or not. He's getting some money for being there. They're going to give him lots of lovely booze. They'll probably (laughs) probably pay for him to have a limousine home or a taxi home or whatever. Um, he's just fine. He's got the British Championships coming up or whatever. But they're also, That's what they're he also... This is a night off. He's going to a party and he's getting paid for it. But they're raising money for charity as well. Yeah. Does he not want to help his um, contestant win as much money for charity? I mean, we should say, and I'm not, I'm not worried about spoilers at this stage, it's a 28-year-old episode of Big Break. Get used <laughs> to it. Dennis Taylor does win. And he does clear the table. Yeah. And he wins Anthea Turner £3,000 for a, a hospital radio charity. Yeah. So, he, despite the impediment of being dressed as Widow Twanky with a massive underwired frock. Yeah. I thought that the first round, Red Hot, where each contestant has to answer three questions to earn 30 seconds to give their player some time to pot some balls. Yeah. That was an intense, intense snooker competition, wasn't it? It was. We, they all scored four reds in the the time that they had, and each one had 40 seconds. Willie, his first two shots were the sort of shots I would have. They were awful. You literally are the only person in the world who cares about this. Right, Alison... She gets four, <laughs> including a last-second miss. As you rightly pointed out to me in WhatsApp, she should have won that round. Yeah, she should she have won missed that round. one right, yeah. at the, right at the death. Uh, when she broke off, the balls were off-centre. I don't think much of John Virgo as a referee. Um, well. uh, Dennis scores four. He's got the opposite problem to Alison Fisher and actually blasts in a fluke in the final second. Yeah to uh, allow Anthea to win through with a tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, ultimately, Patrick loses that round and ends up doing Virgo's trick shot. Did you enjoy the trick shot? It didn't look very complicated. Yeah. Um, no, it's no, they're never very complicated because they're not pro- proper snooker players who are doing it. Well, no. Uh, and also, you know, they wanted Patrick Moore to get uh, £150 for cystic fibrosis research. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which Jim Jim doubled out of the goodness of his own heart. With, with, with somebody else's money. With somebody else's money. <laughs> and um I don't I hope, I hope he's not one of those who goes on about defunding the BBC now. Three hundred pounds for cystic fibrosis research. Cystic fibrosis went, yeah, cheers. Yeah. We'll start with that three hundred quid you gave to cystic fibrosis without going through the proper authorization channels. Actually, I think you'll find Jim. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they, it's pillock. it's very much it's very much in the lexicon of the Christmas celebrity version of any uh, quiz, isn't it? 
they'll double it up for you. I'll double that out of my own pocket Fucking that the BBC liars. are currently filling. Yeah, yeah. What they should do is they out of your own pocket point at the camera. The second round, another interesting and different format of snooker, <laughs> which actually I think it's a bit like chess boxing, actually. Uh, if they've look. got the snooker player to answer the question instead of the celebrity contestant. <laughs> What you they've got is a table with six reds and six colours and they've got to clear it up. And every time they miss a pot, the, a question of the corresponding colour is asked to them and they're not allowed to continue potting until they get a question right. <laughs> and that's a great that's a great format. Willie Willie scored three hundred pounds for Ruth with two misses. Dennis scored 360 with two misses, but he got a double pink. He scored a pink into the top yep. right-hand corner pocket. That was a good shot, to, that, actually. It was a good shot, and he doubled it up. And it's interesting when, when that happens, because it's a real kind of insight into the contradictions of playing snooker. Because on one hand, they are under none of the pressure. Yeah. You know, none of the pressure. But at the same time, they're against the clock. Well, and they're against each other as well. I mean, there's still... I no, think no, there's still I, professional pride. I, I, I think that highly... I think that professional players can just, you know... They can do it for a, for a giggle. Willie's probably got 10 grand in his house riding on this. <laughs> Don't forget. Seems a so bit don't unfair. tell me that he doesn't care. I, I think you're just being optimistic in in the possibility of actually believing i am an innocent believer <laughs> and television wouldn't why would television lie to me i would say that you're an idiot savant but you don't know anything yeah i don't qualify for this <laughs> it just makes you an idiot i'm afraid so but you know ruth uh, got 300 pounds which jim doubled up out of the goodness of his own heart and his po- own pocket for, and yeah. she donated that to Spina Bifida. Now, my next question is, who the hell is Jess Conrad? He's an old singer, wasn't he? Well, clearly, but I mean, I'd never heard of him. And I'd never Have heard of not? him now. I've never heard of him then. And um, It is very odd that he did just kind of appeared. He's still alive. Well, yeah, and there Jim had go. been making jokes about how awful his records was. He was obviously the BBC's equivalent of Des O'Connor for that purpose. Um... Well, he wasn't. He wasn't a big deal for very long. Clearly you know? not. I mean, he was only because the thing is, he was. I I think he was a Tim Pan Alley. Yeah. Act. Uh, I think he came through the uh, what do you what do you call it? Like the sort of the the, the grade organisation or somebody like that. Oh, okay. And gets stuck on TV. I think he's one of those who was um, always a little bit. Neither flesh nor foul. Not quite a singer. Not quite an actor, though he did quite a bit of acting. Yeah. He had a cameo in The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. Well, I can believe that. And made an appearance in an episode of Are You Being Served? As as Mr. Walpole, head of sporting equipment. Yeah. Well, he also made a cameo appearance in the Big Break Christmas special, 1992. Dressed as Prince Charming, and Ruth takes him off for a fuck. Uh, well, she wins him as the booby prize. So, yeah. you know, draw your own conclusions. Oh, I've just seen something else about Jess Conrad. <laughs> Jesus. 
Well, this is only going to be funny to you and me. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to say it anyway. Right. He was in, he was in the movie version of Run for Your Wife. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were in um, the movie version. A of... lot of people. Do you were know in that that, that was yeah. Richard Bryer's last film, his last was acting it? job? Isn't that a was it? fucking tragedy? Mind you, Jeffrey Palmer is as well. So if we were ever to do that podcast where we have to do the whole of Jeffrey Palmer's oh, yeah, career, yeah, yeah, we, have, yeah. we have to watch Run For Your Wife, the movie. Well, we're going to stay through to the final now. This is where we make a nice few quid for charity and it's time to make or break ourselves this Christmas. Make or break is the final round. Another oh. fascinating aspect of snooker where if Anthea gets her five questions right... Dennis can take five of the six reds off the table to give him a better chance to clear up and win all of the money. Yeah. But, twist is, the time starts when Anthea starts answering her questions, which she actually does very adroitly, I have to say. Uh, they obviously weren't very difficult questions. <laughs> um, yeah. Dennis removes the five reds. Julie clears up. The thing that interested me is after he potted the first red... He had to take a pink. The adherence to actual snooker rules there delighted me. Yeah, well, it would do. And emphasise the fact that this was a ranking tournament. <laughs> the WSA, the world, the world Snooker and Billiards. No, it's the WBBA. Oh, what? The World Big Break Association. <laughs> Current champion. Dennis Taylor. Current director, you. <laughs> when Dennis potted that final black, he didn't do that thing where he waved his cue above his head in that sort of two-handed and jerky fashion that he did at the end of the World Championship, which gives some credence to maybe that he wasn't taking it as seriously. But then again, he was also dressed as Widow Twanky, which he wasn't in 1985. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind Virgo. I don't mind he, Virgo. He... No. He, he, because he first of all got famous for being very funny, doing his impersonations of other snooker players yep. playing snooker. That's if you're interested in snooker at all, they are well worth seeking out because they're very funny. His Alex Higgins is great. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't think they were very funny. Well, you are so difficult to please. <laughs> I don't know. But I think, yeah, John Virgo's career, I think, really took off because, you know, his snooker career never really took off. But yeah. big break, that sort of, yeah, very lugubrious. Oh, as many balls as you can. Well, yeah, like I say, I mean, he's essentially, he's the foil, isn't he, to yeah. um, to, to to Davidson. And I think he deals with that because I think that Jim Davidson is fundamentally cruel. Yeah. I think that that is one of the things about Jim Davidson is that uh, everything that he does um, makes the world worse. <laughs> makes more sense when you understand that uh, that he has no soul. There's just something about him which is, like I say, it's just it's just cruel. He'll be cruel because he likes being cruel. Yeah. And I I do believe that there was, you know, that there was almost certainly a lot of that in Big yeah. Break. A lot of it when it, you know, I wouldn't be that surprised to switch on Big Break and find an episode where I was like, oh, he's gone a bit far there. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, yeah, I imagine so. Especially when you were 
in the early to mid nineties, wasn't it? So you could exactly, get away yeah. with anything in nineteen ninety one. I don't know about nineteen ninety two. Maybe they tightened things up a little bit in the intervening period. Mm. And Virgo is a great foil to that because he does play it very nicely. When Jim Davidson puts a puppy in the bin, John Virgo is exactly the sort of man who would take the puppy out of the bin and give it a biscuit. Yeah, but exactly. I like John Virgo. I like all of the snooker players who were on the show, actually. I don't really mind the guests. Um, Patrick Moore, obviously, is out there. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, obviously, I love Virgo. Obviously, I love Dennis Taylor. Yeah. Willie Thorne, king of the 147. Yeah. Although, as Alex Higgins said, the pockets on his table were so big, he was walking past one once and he fell in it. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. If you were the contestant and you'd arrived at the studios and you'd been shown into the green room where Dennis and Alison and Willie are all, um, you know, drinking and phoning their bookies. Which one would you hope to get to be your snooker player? Uh, I'd want I'd want Taylor. Yeah. And I would want Taylor, but I would want Taylor because I would have thought he was the most likely to win. Yeah, but I'd say I'd I'd have him because I think he'd be the most fun. Oh, he'd be the most fun as well, but I'm also interested in winning. You're so weird. You're <laughs> such a weird, weird, strange boy. You are. Well, I don't know. I, I... And you're treating fucking Big Break like it's the world fucking snooker championships. Is it above or below Pop Black? Oh, Pop Black is obviously above this because, I mean, Pop Black was actually a competition, you know. John Virgo didn't move the pink closer to the pocket so that Dennis Taylor could get to it on Pop Black. I don't know. I mean, the thing is that you're a moron. Yeah, well... That's that's just a, that's just what it is, isn't it? You're a moron yeah. and a pervert. Well, I mean, because at the end of the day, <laughs> that's what this is, isn't it? It's a perversion. Inside, I bet you go. I bet you go dogging with Dennis Taylor. In... <laughs> now, there's a documentary yeah. series. <laughs> yeah, I would I would call that one the Easy Brown. <laughs> All right, no, that's it. We have to stop this podcast. <laughs> I'm too aroused. He's going to have to go dogging, ladies and gents. Yeah, I'm going to get my dogging done before they bring it, before they move us back up to tier three. I don't again. even know. I don't know how the, the current pandemic crisis is, is impacting upon the dogging community. Social distancing <laughs> obviously makes it difficult. I read today that Worthing has the lowest rate of COVID-19 in the entire country. So, you know, if yeah. you want to do some dogging... I'm in the safest place in Britain to Yeah, do you're it. going to be getting doggers from everywhere. You know, Hearst, Hearst Pierpoint. And too. Lowest rate in Britain. Nine months' work I put into that, and we get chucked into tier two anyway. Yeah. I don't care. It actually doesn't matter to me what tier we're in. Couldn't care less. <laughs> Letchworth. What? Luton. This is where all the doggers are going to be coming from. Salisbury. Oh, well, are these the places with the highest rates then? No, no, no. They're just places in and around. <laughs> some some of them further than others. Exeter. <laughs> so now, right, okay, you're <laughs> listening to the 200% List of Cities podcast. <laughs> At brackets, also towns. Dogger's got a dog. 
imagine taking your dog for a walk all the way from Exeter to Worthing because it had the lowest COVID rate and you thought you might get some dirty action. <laughs> Just taking the dog out for a walk. I'll be back in eight months. <laughs> eight months. And um, by the way, has the dog got any hobnail yeah. boots? Because otherwise I think its feet yeah. are going to be bleeding. I'm going for it, yeah. I'll br- I'll bring you back an STD. And COVID, and not. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking waste of time that was. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where the dogging spot is in Worthing. Uh, I know where it is in Brighton, but I'm not going to tell you how I came by that piece. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'll just, I'll just Google your name. <laughs> It'll bring it up. Right. That's it. We need to. We yeah. need to stop talking about yes. this. <laughs> yes. And generally. <laughs> Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I have no idea. What is it? It's the Apple Yards. Oh, the Apple Yards. Yeah. The Apple Yards. We, it is, it's technically a Christmas special, as it was broadcast at Christmas. It is also the only existent episode of the Apple Yards. Yeah, this is... I can't imagine... That we will ever do a programme older than this. This programme is from December 1956. So, yeah. so it is comfortably our oldest yeah, one. Yeah, it's actually, weirdly, yeah. it's coming from the like close to the end of the Apple Yards era. But more on that tomorrow. It's going to be an Apple Yard extravagant. If you've never heard of the Apple Yards, by tomorrow, you're going to be, abs- you're going to be checking your yep. sheds in case there's any old... Um, Films true. in there, all true, with old recordings of the Apple Yards yep. on, because only there's only one episode, and you're going to know everything there is to know after we've talked yep. about it, because that's how good we unless are. Unless we, unless Blade. we just, unless we just talk about dogging for half an hour. Which, considering that's what we'll be doing when we record the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, <laughs> we're we're trying something a bit different tomorrow. <laughs> 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 the first, the first outside broadcast. I'm gonna, gonna bring the OB unit with me. That's what he calls his dog. <laughs> the kids. <laughs> oh dear. Oh. Uh, Ian's Ian's dogging apron. Oh dear. You don't want to know how many times he went dogging before he realised he needed to take an apron. <laughs> and all the things I used in place of one. <laughs> <laughs> Including at the dog. Look. I thought that's where the name came from. Look, we've talked about Big Break. Yes. Yes. We've, talk- we've told them what we're going to be watching tomorrow. <laughs> and do let's, just- <laughs> let's Let's just put everybody out of their bloody misery. Yeah, let's all let's all go and think about what we have done and haven't done. Um, <laughs> we will be back tomorrow with the Apple Yards. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm as depressed about that as you, but I'm sure we'll find something in it. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back same time tomorrow. Goodbye. And happy dog. <laughs> happy dog. Stay, stay safe. Stay safe.